Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. Welcome everyone to Travel Safely, the business talk show bringing you the latest in innovation from transportation, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan, coming to you from the Subaru Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett County, Georgia. The show is sponsored by Applied Information, a technology company here in Gwinnett focused on using technologies to save lives and improve traffic. Our guest today is Emily Morris, founder and CEO of Emergy Hydro, based in Atlanta. Uh, Emergy Hydro is a tech innovator whose modular turbines harness the power of water as a clean distributed energy source. Welcome, Emily, to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me here today. No, great. Our topic for the day. Uh, this is kind of pretty innovative. This is entrepreneurship at its best. A new and innovative approach to clean energy using the oldest and most renewable source of energy. That's water. Emily and her team at Emergy are making hydropower affordable and cool again. So uh, let's find out more. Let's start with the Emily Morris story. So sure. how on earth did you end up in Georgia as an entrepreneur to saying, waking up one morning and say, I'm going to start a hydropower company? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I, as a, say, five foot four uh, young female, <laughs> I get that question a lot in a primarily male dominated industry. How did I end up in hydropower? Um, I, you know, I started my career in the engineering world and um, have worked in on teams of engineers to build new technology innovations, really uh, my whole career. And um, Were you a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer? So like funny enough, I, uh, I sort of wedged my way into the engineering world without an engineering degree formally. Oh, wow. I started um, through working in um, technology development in mostly defense contracting, but also government funding. And so I worked um, initially for a, a small firm that built all kinds of new technology for the military or for other uh, federal purposes. And so I started out by writing uh, grants or proposals oh, for, wow. for funding uh, to build new and very cool things. And so I worked um, on a team of engineers to build the, all kinds of things from um, uh, energy storage for uh, battlefield applications to braking systems for aircraft carriers um, to even... Um, uh, hoverboards or uh, electric um, uh, wow. electric transportation as well, and so I um, this technology, Emergy's technology, actually was born there, and it was initially funded by the U.S. Office of Naval Research as a technology that would be well suited for the U.S. Navy. Um, uh, over time, uh, I became really passionately inspired by what a technology or product could do that was able to develop um, or to, to deliver distributed hydroelectric power in, um, in remote areas in a way that was more continuous than the sun for solar power, more predictable than the wind um, for, you know, compared with wind power. And um, I knew that this was something that had a strong uh, a market application. And um, 
the, the Department of Energy also recognized this too and started to fund the technology uh, while I was working at that at that firm. And eventually, I actually proposed to the firm to acquire the intellectual property out on my own. So I did that, um, started the process in 2014, went and found a local uh, attorney here in Atlanta that helped me navigate what that would look like since that wasn't necessarily the business that the firm was in. And um, over the course of 2015, after I had acquired this, uh, this IP, but continued to keep my job like any, you right. know, uh, let's say, cautious, risk-taking entrepreneur Oh, absolutely. Does, um, you got to pay I, the bills as I, well. Yep, I, I did what I knew best, which was uh, seek out funding sources, specifically federal funding sources, uh, for, for growing this product. And so in 2015, we were awarded about one and a quarter million of uh, dollars from the from the U.S. Department of Energy to continue the product development, um, and that was really the push I needed to come over full right. time, start building a team, um, really vet the technology uh, for market, define the market applications, and start seeking out pilot opportunities. So over the course of um, let's say 15 till now, here in 2019, uh, we've been able to complete um, three pilot uh, pilot scale, and then ultimately a full scale implementation of our product here in the U.S. with our flagship installation being a 100 kilowatt 10 module hydropower array so to speak right. in, um, in Denver Colorado oh, yes. that is an energy asset of the city of Denver and their water authority there um, and now we are in the process of scaling this beyond uh, the, these initial arrays into um, real meaningful energy sources for people all over the world. I mean that's a, that's a great story. I mean it can we can you know take this discussion in all kinds of ways. Sure. I mean one of the things that's hard for an entrepreneur, and I've been a serial entrepreneur all, all my life, is the business of actually, well you know each stage of the entrepreneurial dif uh, journey is difficult. There's the business of getting the initial pilot schemes, then there's the business of transitioning and getting into the market, and then the third one is scaling the enterprise. So let, let's talk about each one of those in turn. Sure. Um, let me ask you a question. How helpful has Georgia been to you? You know, I wave the, the Georgia flag and the Atlanta flag everywhere I go. I um, have been obviously promoting this business and selling the product and selling the vision, not only all over the country, but um, in many places around the world. And, you know, I often get asked, you know, why are you starting a clean energy business in Georgia? Georgia has many... Um, you know, a, a high concentration of fossil fueled plants and we're not necessarily known here for clean energy. Um, and, you know, most recently um, we raised some venture capital where the, the lead investor was from California, where this seems to be uh, probably a bit more familiar to them. And they asked me the question again, why are you based in Georgia, not based in California? And, um, you know, there's a number of very concrete reasons why Georgia has been a great place for, for Emergy uh, to thrive and for me to do business. Um, on the one hand, of course, it's my home. I was born here. And so I have a little bit of a bias toward it. Um, but, you know, really, you know, being in Atlanta, the city of Atlanta was the first um, the first entity that actually let us build and start operating our product inside of water infrastructure, which is what our market is. Uh, the city of Atlanta allowed us to install a first unit at the city's largest wastewater treatment facility um, that we were able to use as a launch pad, as a testing platform. 
um, and as a place that we could host uh, new prospects that might be interested in our product. Uh, in addition, the city of Atlanta was, um, interestingly, through their Economic Development Authority, uh, the first venture investor in Emergy. Oh, um, nice. We actually engaged with them um, in a, a small convertible note that was used to fund early company operations. And uh, while I don't think that they're still in that business, um, it was a really amazing way to get some uh, some real you know, hard investment dollars that um, could contribute to our company growth here in the city. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, we, you know, we work with resources with the state of Georgia, looking at exporting and other um, other resources that they have um, here in the in the city. But it also, you know, just culturally speaking, we're a bit of a unique um, unique fish in this pond, so to speak. You know, whereas there is a lot of entrepreneurs and companies that are building new cybersecurity technologies or medical technologies or things like that you know we're one of the only uh, only fish that are building clean energy and so as a result um, you know we get exposure to opportunities or events or things that we may not um, we may not necessarily get access to if we were in a, an area flooded with clean energy entrepreneurs like like in the bay like in bay so that's it, been really nice it's pretty very interesting in many ways your journey parallels that of uh, applied information which also i get the question why atlanta why georgia mm -hmm. and there's also reason but it's a, it's actually a really great place to build a business for for all sorts of reasons you can tell from my accent i'm not originally <laughs> from here originally from cape town mm -hmm. in south africa but been here for some 25 years building a succession of of technology businesses so talking about the technology is that um the business of yeah the clean energy space is a really good space um, and and I like the idea of you know electric cars or the future of transportation in some respect and so now you can uh, potentially with some solar panels drive your car on yesterday's sunshine mm -hmm. but now you can also drive your car on the river that's flowing outside your your subdivision is that is that how it works how yeah, does it all fit together eventually I'd love to see uh, especially as our transportation network becomes increasingly electrified, I would love to see Emergy being a big part of how that fleet uh, is energized. And, um, you know, essentially what you can imagine from our technology is a, a hydropower turbine. Think think modernized water wheel, uh, like I'm sure you've seen in, in photos of yesterday um, and really throughout many centuries where we've had water wheels that have provided the energy necessary to catalyze industrial processes, um, all the way to some of the biggest you know backbones of our modern you know, electrical grid across the world are, are hydropower facilities. Um, now, those facilities, are, are typically very large and very centralized, but the energy economy of the 21st century requires, as you said, for yesterday's sunshine, it requires small, it requires modular, standardized, very cost-effective, uh, rapidly scalable equipment like solar panels. And so what is doing is bringing that product style into hydropower. So, um, you know, gone are the days where we're building really massive dams, and instead what you can picture is something the size of a large SUV, thinks something like a Hummer and it's completely self um 
self-sustaining, self-encapsulated. You just place that uh, that box right into the channel, whether it's the river outside your subdivision or inside of a water treatment plant or in an agricultural irrigation canal, something like that. And as water flows through that box, um, it activates the, the modernized water wheel or the spinning turbine um, that generates electric power. And one of these SUV-sized uh, you know, pieces of equipment. It costs about the same as an SUV, about, you know, forty dollars to $50,000 a piece. Right. And it, it generates the energy equivalents of about seven to eight U.S. homes. And so, um, you know, you could share one, so to speak, with, with your neighbors in your subdivision. Now, that's also, you know, I want to be clear that that's for us energy-hogging Americans. If you took these back to your hometown in Cape Town or, you know, in many places in Europe the, the, where they're much the, the, more energy efficient or, 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 or the in, developing, in the developing, developing world. world yeah it could be um you know up to a hundred ho- electrified homes in india uh, on one of these uh, modules and so the way we deploy them is similar to solar in that we do fields of them or arrays down the stream and so you can imagine you know one after the next after the next being able to electrify you know whole communities villages or eventually you know towns uh, as well well fantastic well after the break i think we're going to talk about access to market and how you go from where you are to covering the world in these things Uh, but let's talk about after the break and let's go to 30 seconds with sarah this is your 30 seconds or less with sarah A new report from Navigant Research claims that smart parking spaces are expected to more than triple in the next decade. Smart parking spaces are composed of sensor networks, camera systems, and software that tracks and reports locations of available spaces. Navigant said that on-street, individually monitored smart spaces will grow nearly 14% a year from 240,000 to 780,000 spaces between 2019 and 2028. Navigant expects the largest growth in Asia, followed by Europe and North America. With more and more citizens moving to urban areas, the need for this technology has never been more apparent. Back to you, Brian. In case you're just joining us, this is Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. How to save lives, improve traffic, drive commerce, and help the environment. With our guest today, Emily Morris, founder and CEO of Emergy Hydro and and a fellow entrepreneur in this uh, high-risk, high-reward business of uh, jumping out of an aeroplane with these parts of a parachute and figuring out how to assemble it on your way down. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so, so, given that you've got now some prototypes and you've figured out how to do this, how do you go to market? Because I can, the transportation business that I'm in is a, is a very slow-to-change market, and I can only imagine the water business and the hydroelectric business is even more so. How do you change the world yeah, it, from where you are? It's a great question, and in fact, uh, one that I've encountered a number of interesting um, phrases and pieces of advice along my way. You know, the, when I first started the business, I went and visited a solar company, um, and I told them what I was looking to do is to bring this, uh, you know, standardized and flexible design into water power. And and you know, the the CEO of the company said to me, "Are you crazy?" He said, "You know, what we're doing in solar power is extremely difficult work. You know, pioneering this industry, and you know, the sunshine is free for everyone." He said, "You're going to do this in." 
water where wars have been fought over water for hundreds of years you're crazy and um and you know i listened very carefully to that and uh one of the key decisions that i made really early on was um really to only focus on the early go-to-market for uh, what I refer to as non-controversial waters. So waters that have no fish, no wildlife, no recreation, no navigation, <laughs> right. nothing that can Good cause idea. long timelines, you know, complex permitting or, or, you know, high regulation. So, you know, what areas are non-controversial? Um, this would mainly be water infrastructure. So, so waters that are already defined for some purpose. So water treatment plants, that's where we installed our very first pilot here in Atlanta with the city, um, as well as water conveyance. And so whereas it's not so common here in the southeast to convey water on the surface, instead we have a lot of groundwater. You know, in the 16 western U.S. states, there are thousands of miles, tens of thousands of miles of, of water conveyance networks um, where water is used for irrigation purposes or municipal purposes or otherwise. And when you look out um, globally, you know, just, you know, our neighbors to the south in Mexico, um, one of my colleagues was there earlier this week where they have 46,000 kilometers of surface water transport um, for, you know, especially in arid places, being able to move water is very, very Great important. Great point. I hadn't actually thought of that. There are all these channelized, you know, water conveyances. You put them carrying water from one place to the other. Well, you may as well pick up the energy on the way. Exactly. And, and, and in fact, conveying that water can be very energy intensive if you have to lift it yeah yeah if you have to lift it over different elevation changes and so being able to not only make that process more efficient but also uh, to be able to to initially go to market get access with very quick decision-making processes with singular owners I mean from one entrepreneur to another you know that you want to start uh, selling your product in an area where you have low-hanging fruit right. or places where you can get in quickly and so that's our initial defined market you know could this eventually be used for the river outside your subdivision I certainly hope so but today you know if there is any sign of um, environmental protection or fish or wildlife we we don't target those areas today do, do you go to market through distributors or who who actually sells into this market I'm sort of trying to think yeah, about yeah. if I wanted to sell one of your devices into you know a certain channel I wouldn't know where to start how do how do you start that process yeah great question so you know of course our our little team has a has a business development department and we uh, do do direct sales to these um, agricultural municipal owners here in the U.S. Although, of course, you know we all know startups are are tough enough with our little teams. You know, how do you make an impact on the world with such a small team? And so, um, partnerships is the way to do that through distributor partnerships that would be um, over local geographies or through more um, globally focused partnerships. So, in July, we just announced a a, a global partnership with GE Renewable Energy. Oh, who, fantastic! Um, they're going to they will be um, now selling this product in four countries outside the U.S., as well as manufacturing uh, these turbines for all of our projects here in the U.S. and abroad. And so we believe that from a scalability perspective, partnerships are key so that that way our customers can rest assured in the quality and the manufacturing expertise that comes from a partner like GE, whereas we also have the ability now to ship anywhere in the world. Um, and so whether they're actually sold by an affiliate of Emergy or GE, um, you know, we we're open to a number of opportunities to work um, in in local areas to get this product 
out to you know an energy hungry society wow that's one thing that there's shows no sign of abating is our energy hungry society <laughs> and mm -hmm. so uh, the business of having the right product at the right time i often say that the technology business is actually a fashion industry much more allied to gucci and whatever it is uh, than it is to the underlying technology because you have to have the technology at at the right time and you seem to be sweetly placed for that well it's a it's an excellent analogy i love that and it, it really um has a lot of meaning here at, at emergy as well because um you know people say well hydropower has existed for centuries of course you're not the first person to think that we should be able to to do hydropower in a distributed way and that's absolutely right i knew i wasn't the first person to ever think of hydropower without a dam without building a dam um but you know from a timing perspective the distributed grid had not been set up yet until Correct. solar power and wind power really had the billions of dollars of investment to create that grid. And also a lot of the, the enabling components within that grid, smart inverter systems, you know, energy storage, other types of, um, you know, switch gear or other distributed sized equipment that didn't exist before then. And so without those, this distributed hydropower portfolio also couldn't exist. And so we're we're able to stand on the shoulders of what they've been able to uh, develop as well as the mindset that distributed energy is the future and that we do need to have um, you know local energy sources and not just get it from the transmission well, side. because a huge you know with this hurricane that's just come through the huge business of resilience yes and distributed energy sources again have become into focus that uh, that when you make a very brittle grid with only one power plant and all these transmission lines the power plant goes down for whatever reason it all gets uh, pretty difficult yeah it, it you know it, it unfortunately in a case like hurricanes um, it has really shown us in the last couple of years uh, really how it gets to be a human issue as well, that that losing the access to power that you've had um, can have detrimental effects on the quality of life. And so, you know, whereas, of course, we're in the for-profit business and we are looking to, uh, to scale this in a way that um, makes really good business sense, you can't help but think about the aspect of, of what kind of um, – what other kinds of services that having access to power enables for mm. those that don't have it or, or lose it for one reason or another. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you, Emily. And thanks to all for listening to Travel Safely, brought to you by Applied Information, the show about transportation technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Today, we've been talking about uh, reinventing one of the oldest ways to generate electricity electric energy hydropower we've been talking with emily morris founder and ceo of emergy hydro uh, using micro hydropower to create clean and reliable energy sources for the grid so emily thanks for joining me on the show today thank you so much for having me until next time this is brian mulligan signing off from business radio x and travel safely mm -hmm.